0: All the people said, "Amen." This we need to know: there is a God in the heavens that made every one of us uniquely in His image, and that—that that God loves us. He knows everything about us, everything, right? The good and the bad and the ugly, and He loves us. And so we celebrate that and sing about that Sunday by Sunday. You know, no matter what the week has been like. How many of you had a really good week this week? How many had that? Okay. That's a pretty good number. How many had kind of a tough week this week? Yeah. See, I'm in that category. This was kind of a tough week for me. I'm glad to put this one behind. But this I know, right? In the middle of good and bad weeks, this I know with all my heart. His death has paid my ransom. Uh, He has made this wretch his treasure. Isn't that great? We are God's treasure, right? We've been studying in Colossians 3, you can turn there if you have a Bible in front of you or on your phone, on the you version. We're on this chapter 3 of Colossians, which is this great foundational chapter uh, in the Bible for how to live as a Christian. And we're going to take four weeks, we've slowed way down on this chapter, and uh, a couple of the foundational pieces last week and this week, and then... Pastor Jared's going to pick up how to be married well, how to parent well, how to work well, how to, (laughs) he's going to fix all our problems in two weeks, so that's, come next week for that. But we're told uh, in chapter three of Colossians, first verse, that we've been risen with Christ. If we believe in Jesus, if we have put our hope in Christ and given our life to him, we are risen with him. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and then he died on a cross for our sins. And he was buried dead for three days. And then he rose triumphantly from the grave. And when we believe in Jesus, we enter into that death and that burial and that resurrection. We become new. We die to our old selves and come back to new lives. And, and in chapter one, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, then we're to seek the things that are above. We're to seek now God's way to walk as he would have us do, as new People. Last week we, we talked about how to put off the old. And as we choose Christ as the greater way, the greater pleasure, the greater joy, the way to truly find life is to follow Jesus. And, and seeing Jesus as the way, we put to death and kill the old way. So we take off. And then this week we're going to talk about how to put on, put on the new self. What's the new we put on? Last week we talked about taking off the old. This week we're going to talk about putting on... The new. We'll do this in three parts here in this chapter. Look at verses 12 to 17. First of all, who we are. We sang that this morning, who we are. But who are we? And then what are we to do? And then how to follow Christ in everything. That'll be point three. So look at verse 12. Now with me, it says, put on then. We've taken off the old. Now here's what we put on as God's chosen ones holy and beloved he starts before he even gives us the clothes we're to put on he talks about who we are because that is there's this fundamental change inside of us that we become new in him that sets the stage for then putting on this new life but notice three things are said here we are chosen ones we sang that actually did you notice that we are holy and we are Beloved, first of all, we're chosen. Now, I think we know this to be true. But if it were up to us, we would not be choosing God. We would run 100 miles the other way. We we are born enemies to God, uh, running away from him. So God pursues us. It's not us pursuing him. We were enemies when Christ died for us. He has set his love upon us. And this is meant to encourage us. This is meant to encourage the people of Colossae. Because they know who they are. They know naturally how they behave. and Like we are are erratic. We're moody. We're undisciplined. I mean, we have some good days, don't we? But we have a lot of days that we wouldn't choose God. But God is always steady and strong in his continual pursuit of us. It's about God's faithfulness to us, not our faithfulness to him. In fact, it says in 2 Timothy 2.13, when we were faithless, right? Had those moments, those days, you have a hard time believing. It says, God remains faithful. God has you. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Who began the work? God, he who began the work in you, who will complete it. God, he will be faithful to complete it into the day of Christ Jesus. Now, this text is meant to encourage us. And I am aware aware, that this also has created a bunch of debate amongst Christians over the years, right, millennia. So let's just talk just briefly, like what this is saying, so that we understand this in the whole uh, context of Scripture. I picture it as a two lane road, but both lanes are going the same direction. Normally, we think of a two lane highway one lane's going one way, and one lane's going the other. And I think this is where Christians get mixed up with this teaching about being chosen. As they think, well, there's all this teaching about how we are to believe, and when we believe, we are saved. And then there's all this teaching about how God is the one who chooses us. Well, which is it? Class? Both. (laughs) It's both. It's two lanes going the same direction. Yes, God is sovereign over all Things. It says in Ephesians 1.11, he works out all things according to the counsel of his perfect will, including our salvation. It also says in John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will come to eternal life. And so we make real decisions that have real consequences with our lives, and we must choose to follow Jesus and believe in him to be saved. Both of those are true. Now, how that all fits together, right? God knows. We can't figure it out. It's beyond us. But let's not diminish one truth for the other. Let's hold them both as absolutely true and act within that. Encourage that God ultimately is holding us, and be with our free choices to choose to walk with him each day as best we are able and let God reconcile those two things so we're chosen second of all it says we are holy we are people who have been set apart for him i love 2 corinthians 5:20 20 and 21 one of my favorite, some of my favorite verses in the bible it says therefore we are ambassadors for christ And God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That we've been made a holy people. Jesus, we talk about this a lot. Jesus gives us his righteousness, and we give him our sin. Like, that's a really good deal. Like, right? we ought to choose that, right? He took our sin, and he gives us his righteousness, and then he makes us ambassadors. He calls us saints. Saints means holy ones. You know, 60 times in the New Testament, if you believe in Jesus, you are called a saint. That's who you are. Set apart. You're holy. And now you live as an ambassador for God. You are a representative of the king, of King Jesus, and you represent a people, a nation, a holy nation, those who follow Christ. You're you're holy. You're given that through faith in Christ. It also says you're beloved. And that's a reflection really of the Old Testament of Israel, how God sent his love upon the nation Israel. In Deuteronomy 7.7, 7, he says to them, it's not because you were large or special or awesome. It's because I loved you. I chose to love you. My love is set upon you and you are a loved people we don't, you know you don't earn love you don't deserve it but God just sets it upon us and this this is really a rather complicated doctrine when you get into it in fact I'd recommend if you want to kind of study this a book by D.A. Carson called the difficult doctrine of the love of God because God loves differently in different ways in different categories throughout the Bible he loves the whole world he loves his creation he loves all humanity but he has a special love for his kids. If we are in the family of God, if we have believed in Jesus, he has a special love for us. He has invited us into his family and this love that existed before all creation between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They lived in absolute perfect love and harmony. He invites us into that amazing love and that love has been expressed in a lot of ways over Many millennia as we as people live here on earth. But he has, it has been very sacrificial. He sent his son to lay down his life for us. He served us by dying for us. It was filled with action. But it also was filled with emotion and affection for us. His death was to rescue us. But he wants us to feel that. In our heart, it says in Hebrews 12, 2, not only did Jesus died, but he was happy to die for you. It was an emotional thing that Jesus came and he died. His, His love was more than just an action. It was an affection for us. And this is so important in a broken world to sense and feel. Not only to see it and understand it intellectually, but to feel it deep in our souls. That will transform our hearts. I know many of you have said to me over the years how there have been moments in your lives when you have deeply felt the love of God in your soul and it rescued you from a real hard situation. And I've had those moments. At conversion, we often feel that, that we've suddenly been saved and rescued. And I remember that moment in my bedroom as a teenager where my heart was just filled with joy, And also many other times through my life. But God wants you to see that he loves you. And understand that he died for you to show that love by sending his son. But also to feel it and know it deep in your soul. It was an affection uh, for you. So we're chosen. We're holy. We're beloved. And finally it says, I'm just kind of jumping down a few verses to grab this one. Because it's one more thing he says about us. That we are one body. We, we are in a family. When we believe in Jesus, we are placed into a, a family. And when we're really going through it, we sense this as a, as a church family. We step up and we love each other and we serve one another. I was talking to one of our dear saints who's really going through it this week. And she was saying to me, oh, I mean, I've just felt the love of the church family this week. It has just gotten me through. That's the way it is. And we, we sit around as a staff on Thursday mornings. And uh, when a few are missing, we can jam into the conference room. There's really nice, and it's kind of like just having a family dinner together. We sit there and we talk to one another. And we, this week we did accountabilities. We we're talking about our sins and our struggles and our battles, and and uh, how God has met us. And, but it's like a family sitting together. It's it's not just business. It's a family dinner table conversation. We are a body. We we need each other. He has not given any one of us all the gifts and all the abilities. He does that so we'll be dependent. Like I mean, my ego would love me to be able to do everything you need. <laughs> but he just gives me one little slice of the big pie so that you fill in the pie in all kinds of other ways and together as a family, each of us play the role of serving one another, each doing a part so that we are a body together. We're a body. Now, that's, that's who we are, right? We're chosen, we're holy, we're beloved, and we are a family. Now let's talk about, and this is the putting on, what are we to do, okay? As God's chosen ones, holy and loved, now here's what you're to do. Look at verse 12 again. You are now to be comp- have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Okay, I want you to feel this and sense this. Okay, here's God's instructions now. Here's who you are. Here's what you're to put on. Here's where it is. Listen, compassion, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving each other. This is a crazy list in light of our culture. Our culture would speak of all kinds of things that would be strong and strength and triumph and like being good and doing the right thing. And God gives us this really gentle and lowly list. Humble, compassionate, meek, bear with each other. Come on, is this the first stuff? Yeah, it is. It's the first stuff of what it means. I'm fascinated by this. I I read a business page every just about every day, and there was an article in it that took note in light of this text, and it said, "Never ask or say you're sorry when you're in around that corporate table. Never. Don't do it. It's not good for you. It shows weakness." (laughs) I mean, that is just the opposite of this. God loves weakness. God's attracted to weakness. God is drawn to our weakness. And if we're to do this list, family, if we're to do this list, it requires two things of us. One is that we be together, and second of all, that we be really weak and really broken. Can we all sign up for that? That's what this list requires of us. Be together and be weak. And be broken, so that we can be compassionate and humble, and forgiving, and bearing with of each other. This really is a description of who Jesus is and was amongst us. That he was compassionate toward our weakness. He's drawn to our brokenness. I mean, he doesn't look down upon us and hold his nose and go, "Well, I got to get near to those sinners to save them," but. It's kind of a little tough. We're we'll just, get in there, get him out of there. No, he is drawn to us. He, he is compassionate. He is humble. He is lowly. He is, runs to our weakness. And he points out in Luke chapter 18, there's these two people that come to the temple, and, and one is a Pharisee, and, and this Pharisee is standing very proud before God and saying, I don't cheat. I don't commit adultery. I fast regularly. I give 10%. And then there's this guy kind of off who won't even look up and beats his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And which one of those two was Jesus attracted to? Which one of those found justification before God? Right? Jesus is drawn to the broken and to the lowly, to the humble. And that's what's called of us. This is what we're to put on as each other. As we gather together, we're to be humble and compassionate toward each other so this says a couple things to us one is we got to gather right we got to come together and how many people forsake the gathering because you know those people are hypocrites (laughs) yeah and welcome right (laughs) we are but we gather and it's going to be messy and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be painful And it's going to require the supernatural work of God in us. In fact, so much of what is listed in this list of what we are to be is really just fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no law. Memorized that when I was 10 years old. This is God through us. This is not natural. It says we're to bear with each other, which means it's going to be hard. It means that sometimes you're going to be a bear and I'm supposed to stick with you. Right? We're to forgive each other. I was was with a a friend this week, and they said, you know, I just have to keep forgiving. It's getting kind of hard. Isn't that what it says we're gonna do all the time here? (laughs) Like, right? This is our this is what we're signing up for. To keep forgiving. Right? Which means you're gonna keep getting offended by those in this room. It's part of what has to happen. It's part of being a family. In fact, this is why I think he goes on and says in verse 14, as he starts to now kind of tie it into some of the bigger principles, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love means we lay down our lives for each other, to build each other up, to help each other grow. It means we have to sacrifice. We look at Jesus as the way to lay down our lives, to sacrifice. It's not convenient it's not easy like this is a hard assignment we've been given you know I'm a little jealous of Dave and Tina we gave them these chairs you know these chairs to sit on their porch and I kind of look at those chairs and go that looks kind of good I know they're not just going to sit in those chairs those are workers but it looks kind of good to just go and sit in the chair and not deal with everybody right you feel that same way I'm sure It's hard it costs it's it's painful and I'm sure Jesus looked at the cross and he goes that doesn't look very good it's gonna be painful but he did it and we're to love in the same way and in fact when we are acting in ways that require compassion and forgiveness and bearing with when we're acting like that that's the greatest opportunity for us to love each other This is when love is best between spouses, when one is acting really unbecomingly. (laughs) Because now you get to love like Jesus. Hang on a cross for your spouse. That's what we're to do. This is the call. Right? Oh. We want to not have to do this hard work don't we I mean Friday night my alma mater was playing football University of Washington and uh, and uh, I don't have ESPN it's on ESPN in fact I've never had ESPN I'm a sports nut and I've never had ESPN because if I did it would become an idol real fast for me so I can't do this to myself but just this one time I thought maybe I'll pull up the app download an app right and I can watch the game Right? So I'm real excited about this. So I download this app. And I'm fighting through trying to get to the game. And God would not give it to me. Like, I could not find the game. But I left the app on my phone. And, <laughs> and Mary will tell you, like, yesterday when I was trying to prepare this sermon, you got the ESPN app, it's always dinging at you. Ding! Somebody scored a touchdown. Ding! Somebody scored a touchdown. Ding! And I thought, you know, I'd really like to just stop preparing this sermon and go watch those games. That sounds like a lot more fun, a lot easier, right? Working and preparing a sermon is work. It's better to do the hard work, right? So I deleted it, right? Back off my phone. You can hold me accountable. Put on love. Lay down your life. Do the hard work of coming to church and being a part of serving, right? Work with children. Work with teenagers. Thanks to all of you who stayed up all night. worked with teenagers, right? Greet at the door, right? Serve back in the sound booth, right? Troy was honest with me this morning. He goes, it still was hard. We got an extra hour. It was still hard to get out of bed this morning. We need you to get out of bed. Work, sign up. Do the hard work. It's costly. It's not easy. It's not convenient. This is what we're called to do. Church, come on. We can do this. I feel like I'm preaching a little here today, right? (laughs) Let peace rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Seek peace and pursue it. With God... By faith in him, we are forgiven and made right with God, and we have peace with him. And then we take things, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, bring it to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. Give, Give your stress to God, pray, surrender to him. There's all these new things going on in our church, and Dave and Tina are moving out, and other pieces are coming in, and we're back filling, and there's just all this stuff going on that's in my mind, and it's, like, stressing me out a little bit. Like, so I find myself, like, biting people a little more, right? You ever been in that place? I mean, nothing really wrong, just hard, right? And just, so I get kind of bitey, and my staff's kind of, Kevin, you're a little bitey. Like, right? that's because I'm not praying. I need to pray, right? Release it to God. Trust him. And to live at peace with each other as much as possible, it says in Romans twelve eighteen, as much as possible that you live at peace within, with each other. Always seek to make every relationship whole as best you can. And when you bite, right, ask forgiveness. Right? Do the things we've been asked to do. Please forgive me. Sorry, I, I bit again. And I think this is one of Satan's greatest attacks on the church. I mean, we've already seen, and we're going to be bears with each other, right? But will we confess, and will we forgive, and will we be gracious and compassionate to each other in our weaknesses? I mean, this is the spirit of God stuff. It requires a supernatural movement of God. And I think it's one of Satan's greatest attacks on the church, is that we'd be a people that don't confess and don't forgive one another. And I think it's one of the great triumphs of the church and one of the clearest signs that God's at work when we forgive and we confess and we stay in unity. This is what healthy families do. It's, I mean, you know this. Like you have a, if you're home and you've got others, humans abiding under your roof, it's rough and it's, it's sometimes difficult and we have to confess and we have to forgive, but we do it and we stay at it and we love and we serve. This is what healthy families do. It's what we must do here that risen life, and do so well, actually. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not even possible unless God's word saturates our being. It means to let it saturate you, to know it and to live by it, to think on it, to meditate on it. Living in Nebraska for many years, I had friends that would have like 4,000 cows in their yard. the smell was horrendous but these cows they they barf up and they chew and they swallow back down and they keep doing this you know. and it's the picture of what we're to do with God's word is we're to to just chew on it and and take it in and go live and then come back and bring it up and think about it again and meditate on it to let it saturate our being to fill us up Jeremiah 15-16 said this, he says your words were found and I ate them And your words became to me a joy and a delight to my heart. We're to chew on God's word. So we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And then teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart to God. That when God's word is rich within us, it brings celebration and joy and singing. And we worship together. So we're to do this, to hear it and to act on it. And I find that when I'm walking in obedience to Jesus, that my worship is so much sweeter and so much better and Sunday morning is so much more alive. Like if it's dead for you in here, look at your heart. If it's not exciting to be here, Maybe you've wandered away from God. To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly is almost synonymous with being filled with the Spirit. If you look at Ephesians 5, they're just parallel texts. And one says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And one says, be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, if you're walking in His ways, if His word is abiding in you and you're doing it, this will be alive for you here on Sunday morning. If it's dead, maybe there's something wrong between you and God. Finally, um, we come to verse 17 now, where we are told in verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's let this verse just settle for a moment. Do everything, everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How do I do this? How how do I do everything in the name of Jesus to his glory and to his praise? How do I do everything that way? And I think the key is in this verse, in the previous Two, actually. We do it by giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we were memorizing this chapter as a staff, and we did this last this last year, it got a little annoying how many times we had to say, and give thanks, and give thanks, and a little bit more, and give thanks. But God is making a point here that this is how we praise him. This is how we exalt him. That every good gift that we have from from above, is, if, if, that we have in life is from above and is from God. And that God, it says that in James 1.17, and that God has made everything for our enjoyment. Everything, everything, again. And so what we are asked by God to do is to enjoy his good gifts and then give thanks to him. How do we do that? Like, How, how do we make that happen in our hearts? We are to do everything to his praise and his thanksgiving. And to do everything we can to evoke great praise and thanksgiving in our soul. And so we're to seek God's richest enjoyment in all the things of life and then thank him. And he tells us how to do this in his word that we follow him. We've been reading through In Colossians, we'll see it next week. Things we are to do and the ways we are to act, to walk in his blessing, how we relate to people, how do we handle our sexual lives, how we handle our possessions. Next week, we'll talk about our marriage and family. To do it God's way, to walk in his blessing, and then to stop and to praise him. To walk in the enjoyment of what he's given, and then to stop and to praise him. So... We had Trunk or Treat here last weekend, and our kids have had plenty of candy. This is my favorite candy. Right there. Hershey's with almonds. And so how, how, do, how do I eat a Hershey's chocolate bar to the praise of God? All right? Or anything, right? We're to do everything in this way. How, how do I eat a Hershey's chocolate Band, you can come on up. How do I eat a... Hershey's chocolate bar to the praise of God I'm going to do it first of all I realize right everything good is from him right and he gives us every good thing for our enjoyment right so I think about the cocoa bean right You know, God made the cocoa bean thousands of years ago, but we didn't discover it until more recently. God was so excited when we discovered the cocoa bean. Like, these people have got the cocoa bean! Oh, they are going to praise me, the ones that know me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think about the people in Hershey, Pennsylvania, right? That are making this thing, right? ever been to Hershey, Pennsylvania? The streetlights in Hershey, Pennsylvania are kisses. Did you notice? You got to go there sometime. How God has been so good, every good gift comes from him. Every good gift. And now I am to enjoy it and savor it, right? I love this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop the sermon here for a minute. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. <laughs> This is so good. Right? And give thanks. right? Give thanks. Every good thing is from above. Every good thing. And he gives us every good thing for our enjoyment. To enjoy it, Christians should enjoy chocolate more than anybody else on planet Earth. And rejoice in God. And thank him for it. And apply that to everything in your life. Every single because the rejoicing in God is the best part. Chocolate's amazing, but the rejoicing in God is the best part. Now look, it, I realize that not all chocolates are great, right? In fact, Forrest Gump, right, he says, life's kind of like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get, right? Some chocolates are a bit into one of those, and go, oh, like, ah, oh, oh, right? so much about the chocolate of God's presence with us. It's his presence that fills us with eternal pleasure and joy. And even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when life has given us a bad chocolate, fear no evil, for I am with you. It's his presence that gives us joy. And we give thanks. Christians, Christ died and he rose so that you can live, that you can have new life. And my fear is that we are wandering around sort of half asleep, not giving ourselves fully to him, not walking in the resurrected life, double-minded and dabbling at Christianity instead of giving our lives fully to him, the one who wants us to live life abundantly. Come on Christians let's walk in the joy that he's given us let's walk in the life that he's given us choose Christ in every area of your life every little corner of that house that is yours that you have surrender it to him that you might walk in the joy he has intended for you take off the old put on the new and live